Okay, freaks, this is the guide to your psychopath. This podcast is not about me telling you how you're fucked up. I'm here to learn about your past and how it affects your decision making. I've been studying people for a long time now, but I've never asked them how their mind goes through the process. I want to read your guide. I want to know how you think and feel. This will not be edited to take snippets out of context, but I believe everybody will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. Welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. This week, I will be interviewing my wife. Um, so that I can get to understand her even more than uh, I do today. So, uh, we're going to start from the beginning, right? Uh, your dad was born in Colima, Mexico. Yes. And your mom was born in El Paso, Texas. Um, yes. Okay. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she is Mexican descent. Yes. Okay. Um, and you were born in Whittier, California. Mm -hmm. Do you remember, what was the first memory that you remember as a child? The first memory that I can actually recall really clearly is when I was attacked by a dog. When you were attacked by a dog? Uh -huh, I remember that really clear. How old were you? I was about five. We were in Texas, in El Paso, Texas, for a wedding. And I had, it was just my mom and my grandma, my brother and my sister and I, my dad stayed back to work. And um, we were getting ready to go to the wedding and I was outside playing with the dog and the dog just grabbed me by my face. And I, I remember <clears throat> being on the ground, looking up at the sky and the dog's face, the dog's mouth was just chomping on my, on my um, left side of the face. And then I blacked out. I don't remember anything after that. And then I remember waking up just for a couple seconds and my grandmother was pressing me to her chest. And I remember I pulled away and her, I remember she had to wear, she was wearing a white silk blouse. And when I pulled away, it was red from all my blood. Mm. And then I passed out. And then I remember waking up again <clears throat> at the emergency room and the doctor um, didn't have time to, um, I guess, numb me. I don't know. I just remember them putting stitches in my face, on my face. And then my mom, after, after the stitches, I remember my mom saying, don't tell your dad what happened. <laughs> don't tell your dad what happened because he's going to call and check in. And I tell, I will tell my dad everything. Yeah. And I would say, papi, sabes que? <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up telling him. <laughs> and you said that was the first time that you, uh, that you clearly remember as a As child. a kid. Mm -hmm. You remember other stuff? Not so clearly? Um, I remember 
I re- okay, I remember having dinners at home because we lived in Whittier. Yeah. Right? And if you're familiar with Whittier, we lived by the 605 freeway on the border of Pico Rivera and Whittier. Yeah. And the 605 freeways what divided the city from where we lived. And we lived down the street from um, Rose Hills, the cemetery. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I remember in the 80s, I remember at night after dinner, it was like, it was like a, a routine that we had a we had to make sure all the windows were closed and locked and that the two by fours were laid on the floor to, between the wall and the back porch door to make sure that the night stalker wouldn't come in <laughs> because that's when he was like on the loose uh. and he was just killing people everywhere and he had killed an older couple up the street from where we lived in Whittier uh-huh. and it was like a it was a man and and his wife and they lived in a house. Um, just up the street and he had carved the, he had killed both of them and he carved the lady's eyes out and, uh, took them, took the eyes with him. And you remember that as a child? I remember that. I remember that. And I remember, I remember we had a tree in the front yard and I would always climb it and then I would get stuck and then nobody would come get me down because I climbed up there myself. But, oh, and I remember also being on my skates and going skating in front of our house and then skating around my neighbor's driveway because they had a horseshoe driveway Mm -hmm. and they were hardly ever home. And I remember skating around and around and around and like my mom would always put dresses on me and I remember... um, wearing wearing dresses and getting on my skates and going around and then yelling across the street to to the kid that lived across the street calling him a roly poly. <laughs> <laughs> that was Omar. Yeah, his name was Omar. He was in high school. He he was he would he was going to school with my brother and or he was like in middle school or junior high with my brother. I remember he went to school with my brother and I would always <clears throat> yell at him, You roly poly and I would always tease him. And I was little. I was my maybe like eight, nine. And mm. I was teasing him. And then, like, fast forward a couple of years later, he becomes my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, So as a little kid, how did you like your neighborhood? What do you remember about your neighborhood? So <clears throat> in my neighborhood, I remember if you... <clears throat> If you crossed Beverly Boulevard, or, yeah, Beverly Boulevard, if you went north, then you got into, like, the nice, nice area because it was Rose Hills going up to Spyglass, and the houses were bigger and bigger, bigger lawns, and, and they kind of reminded me of, like, the houses that you would see on the movie Sixteen Candles, Mm. Um, and... And then in my neighborhood, on my street, across the street, they had like like condos, like townhouses, mm. all from the corner all the way down. And then on my side of the street, it was, they were homes. They were modest, like, I'm not going to say like rinky-dink homes or anything, but they were, they were like, they were homes. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I didn't, back then, I wasn't like all into 
who had the better house. I was just a kid. And I never really paid attention, but... It, Do you feel like you grew up in the ghetto? No. 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 My, I, never, I never felt like that. Um, my mom and my dad worked really hard. To put you where you're at. And to help you out. Yeah. And that's why you cry, because it's not out of pain or anguish, but because you're happy. Yeah. And as a little kid, you you felt like you could uh, ride your or I felt use safe. Your, your your skate in the front yard, and you felt safe, and you were out and about doing little kid things. Yeah, I was outside playing. I didn't have to worry. It wasn't like my parents had to worry. Like, oh my gosh, um, she's gonna be hanging out with the wrong people or someone's going to come by because we didn't back then I don't really think that we I personally maybe I didn't really think about it but maybe my parents did I don't know you know my dad my dad still to this day is constantly where are you at where are you at where are you at what are you doing what are you doing so but I don't know maybe maybe that's where I get it from being a quote-unquote helicopter mom but I never felt like I grew up in the ghetto or that I was that like I lived in a in an ugly house or that I wasn't in a safe neighborhood that I couldn't go out and just play in the front yard by myself with my dolls. And you said you guys had dinner at home with the whole family uh, every night? Every night. I remember my mom would be the last one to come home. Because she was a school bus driver, so she would come home uh, later in the in the in the evening. Uh, my dad would be the one that would come home first, and he would come pick me up from school. And the school was just around the corner, and then we would go. He would pick me up, and we would go home. Do you remember if uh, your parents ever fought? So my mom and my dad, um, they never fought in front of us or people and that that was something that was like I try to implicate in my marriage but it didn't doesn't work sometimes (laughs) sometimes I'm not I don't like people knowing my business at Mm -hmm. times so but my mom and my dad you never knew when they were arguing okay They, they kept it private and did you argue with your brothers and sisters all the time (laughs) all the time i mean i was the youngest one so i was just the snot nose you know spoiled brat my my sister was like off in her doing her own thing and she's a lot older than you are she's like 10 years older than me so she was off doing her own stuff and my brother is like six six seven years older than me I was just a pain in the butt to them. And that's why my mom and my dad would come home sometimes and find me hogtied with electrical tape in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh did your brother and your sister get along? Get along? Um uh, I don't know. Do you remember them fighting at all? 
I mean, we would, I guess they would fight. I mean, it was, I guess it was typical. I don't know. I don't remember. They're two completely different <clears throat> people, so they must have. They must have had, had an argument. Lives. I mean, they did go to school together too. They they went to high school together. I don't think they acknowledge each other at school. <laughs> <laughs> My brother was more of the social butterfly at school. Uh, never at school. He was always ditching. <laughs> and my sister was more like, like, oh my God, I'm a valley girl. <laughs> and I don't know. I really never paid attention to them growing up. It was all about me. How did you like your schools? you remember any of your elementary schools? Uh, I, I went to a lot of elementary schools. Um, I went to... I think the one that I most remember, I most remember my school that was called Hoover. Um, <clears throat> that was over there in Friendly, like by Friendly Hills oh, in Whittier. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember that school probably because of my teacher. Um, my first grade year I was there, I had a teacher named Miss Enos, right? She was like the typical mean mean teacher one that would wear like those frilly dresses with the pearls and the you know the hairdo really tight tightly done every day and uh then i i flunked first grade did you <laughs> i did my because the teacher said i i wasn't talking and so i wasn't mature enough to to go to the next grade so my mom agreed to hold me back so when i repeated the first grade um, I was back at that same school with with a different teacher, and that teacher's name was Miss Mrs. Tui, and it was her first year teaching, and and I just like gravitated towards her, like she was like the young, hip teacher that would wear jeans to school and stuff. All the all the other teachers wore like these, you know, hoity-toity dresses with the pumps. And stuff, and and Miss Tui was just like the new teacher right out of high, right out of uh, college. She was like 21, 22, something like that. And she drove a Mustang, <clears throat> a white Mustang. And then, and then my third grade year, she became my teacher again. And then she, like, I had a. I remember my third grade year at Hoover. Something ha I don't know what happened, but I, I ended up going to a different school. So I had to make new friends all over again. And I remember being at the school and <clears throat> and not knowing anybody, but I, I made I made friends, I guess. And then I remember I didn't even I didn't even get to fifth grade there at that school. I had to go to a different school. And when I was at, I had to go to Orange Grove. That was my last elementary school. And that was closer to my house. <clears throat> you think uh, being held back in first grade kind of pissed you off or you were kind of indifferent about it? I didn't care. Oh. I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't really understand. But when I was at Orange Grove, I remember being at an assembly and I looked down the the, we I remember we would eat lunch outside underneath the patio and there was all these benches and I remember looking over and I saw Mrs. Tui. She had become a teacher there. She had transferred. 
and then we to this day we still talk yeah uh-huh we still keep in contact and stuff so um yeah yeah that was the elementary school and then after you finished your elementary school going into junior high you went to junior high in fontana yeah so because you guys moved so we moved in 1991 my mom and my dad uh, my grandma passed away, so my mom didn't want to be in Whittier anymore. She's, she said there was nothing for her there anymore, so um, they ended up buying their first house <clears throat> in Fontana. And your grandma, she lived with you the whole time? No, oh. she lived in an apartment, um, like in the in uptown, close to uptown Whittier. She lived in this apartment, and my sister lived with her to take care of her. Mm. And my my. Grandma ended up passing away from a heart attack, and uh, then my mom didn't. Didn't you say that uh, you saw her when she was had a heart attack or something? Something happened with her. My mom is the one that saw her. Oh. Yeah, <clears throat> my sister and my mom. I was little. I was still. I was still little. I remember coming home from school, and my mom was home early. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Why are you home? And she, I remember walking into her room and she was on her bed crying. And she had told me, oh, I need, I need to talk to you about something. And she told me that my grandma, my grandma had died. And I didn't, I never really understood. Back then. Back then, like death or anything. I had never even seen a dead person until I went to go see my grandmother at her, at her wake. And I remember I, I remember I had a kind of like a weird attachment. I kept wanting to touch her, like touch her face and touch her hand and smell her. It was weird. Did, did, did that have a negative Im impact on you going to the wake or anything? No, because she just looked like she was asleep. Did she? And all these people were there, like all, all these family members and... And they were there and <clears throat> crying and I don't I don't remember crying. I don't remember crying until maybe the following day when they buried her. But that was about it. Hmm. But after that, I never after my grandma, I think like the next funeral was my aunt, which was like way several years later. Which aunt? <clears throat> my mom's older sister. It wasn't until I met you that I kept going to funerals. <laughs> so, you guys uh, move out of Whittier. Uh-huh. And you guys uh, bought a house in Fontana. Our first home. Your first home in Fontana. And your brother and sister keep going to school. So, my sister was already in college. My brother wanted to finish his senior year at Whittier High School. So, and I was like, well, I want to finish my sixth grade year. My, yeah, my sixth grade year at Orange Grove with all my friends. Even though I wasn't going to get to go to junior high with them. So, as a year, as a year came closer to an end, I was getting more anxious. Knowing that I was going to go to this brand new school where I absolutely knew nobody. And to be in middle school not knowing anybody... That's hard. 
that's hard because there's a lot of emotions, a lot of hormones, hormones. Everything, everybody, everybody, and everything in middle school. You're just, it's just awkward. Your body's awkward. You're awkward. Everything's awkward. You're being taught a different way of school. You're, you're not in the same classes. You know, you're not in one class all day long. You're in like seven different classes. So you're giving more responsibility on top of trying to manage your emotions. Right. And it was the first time that I was going to be left home alone. And Fontana, I was going to be home alone in Fontana. It was my first time walking to school. It was my first time walking home. How'd your parents feel about that? They were like, yeah, I think you need a babysitter. I'm like, I'm in junior high. I don't need a babysitter. But I think they were more nervous because they were still working in Whittier. Yeah. So Fontana to Whittier, that was like about, at that time, there wasn't as much traffic. It was about a 45-minute drive. So if I needed anything, nobody was around. Not even my sister, not even my brother. Yeah. Because I think my sister was living in, she was like living in Whittier somewhere with some friends because she was going to school out there. And my brother was going to school and, you know, he was off in college and working and I don't know what he was up to. Did that piss you off that you had to be all by yourself? No. No? No, I'm, I'm not the type of person that needs to be around people i'm perfectly happy about myself even though your parents aren't there yeah okay and so you're in junior high witnessing <clears throat> all these kids trying to grow up yeah. how was how was your junior high uh it was okay i had i made friends i mean i made friends around the neighborhood and we all went to school together. And we all went to the same school. And uh, I, I didn't. I only. I didn't have like a very large group of friends. I had. I made one friend. I remember one. My. I. I met this girl, and it was. She had. It was like her first day at a new school too. And I remember we were sitting by ourselves in the quad during nutrition. And we just started... You guys had nutrition in junior high? Uh-huh. And we just started talking and we ended up being friends, like best friends. Who was that? Her name was Christina, Christina Lopez. No. And every, every day we hung out, every Wednesday we would get out early and we would head over to... Uh, we would alternate weekend, like weeks. Like if it was... Wednesday, my week, then we would hang out at round table and then go over to my house. And then if it was the following week and it was her turn, then her mom would come pick us up. And then my dad would come pick me up from her house. So did you, did you see a lot of fights or anything, any bad stuff in junior high? No, no. Was there any like gangs or? If there white was white supremacists or anything like that in your high school? No, and if there was in my junior high? In your junior high. No, and if there was, I didn't really know what that was. Uh, you still didn't weren't exposed to that at all. No. Uh, I'm I'm sure that there was like 
stuff going on at my school, but I was like in my own little world with my best friend, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't pay attention to anybody else? I didn't pay attention to anybody else. And then on the, you know, and then on the weekends, um, it was doing chores at home and, and then hanging out with my, with the guys around the, the neighborhood and then playing basketball or flag football and, or going hiking and that was about it, but. How'd you like the neighborhood? It was nice growing up in my neighborhood. No? It was, well, we were like the only Mexican family that lived on the street. But Everybody else was. Everybody else was white. Oh. White, but we were like the only Mexican family and it was like one black family around the corner and that was it. Everybody else was white. And all the kids got together <clears throat> and just played on the street. Yeah, we would all we would all play outside and I remember when the lights when the street lights came on, it was time to go inside. If the porch light came on before the street light, you had to come check in. And that's how it was and I mean we all lived on the street on the same street. So it wasn't like that big of a deal. Friday nights were like a free for all. We can stay out, hang out as long as we wanted. Saturdays the same thing, but Saturdays, my mom and my dad, we would always, like Saturdays we would go do stuff. Um, I remember we would always go to like the air shows, like out at El Toro Air Show or Edwards Air Force Base. And my dad would, you know, pack the van full of food and chairs and stuff like that. And, and then the kids in the neighborhood, they were like, what are, you, what are you doing, Mr. Suarez? And my dad's like, oh, we're going to an air show. Well, what's an air show? you never been to one? No. Well, get in the, you want to go? Go ask your parents if you can go. And all these, all the kid, all the guys would just tag along and my dad would have a van full of kids and we would all go to the air show and that's, that's, we would be there all day long. That would, knowing your dad, that would be kind of stressful for him to take care of all them kids. Yeah, but we were older. We were like in junior high and stuff. And the kid, I mean, not the kid, the guys that I grew up with, they weren't like, like wild or anything. They were, you know, their, their mom and like, I didn't have very many friends who didn't have a mom and dad together. Mm -hmm. Like all my friends, none of their parents were divorced or separated. They all came from healthy families. Healthy families, you know, um, a Mexican. As we got older, then it was like Jesse and Michael, who were like Mexican, and so they came from, you know, they didn't come from quote unquote broken homes. Um, Michael was the only kind of like a. Uh, as he got older, he was the one that didn't go to high school with us. Um, he went, he ended up going to a different high school and he was the one that had a, had a little bit of a, a harder life growing up because his parents were like, uh, gang affiliated. So he had to play the part of, I had to, I have to dress down and I have to wear the wife beater and I have to wear the Nike Cortez and the Dickies that are like five sizes too big and then he started like shaving his head and 
he actually looked like a gangster, but he was never disrespectful to any of us or any of our parents. And <clears throat> to this day, he and he was he is he was super smart. And after high school, because we all went to do, you know, he went to a different high school. Um, he came by one day just to say goodbye because he was going into the military. And he be he became a, a Marine. Hmm. So we still keep in contact. And so you guys finished uh, junior high. Mm-hmm. And you went to high school there in Fontana. Fontucky. Fontucky. Mm-hmm. We were full high stealers. Full high stealers. Yep. What did you think of the high school? It was massive. Was it? It was humongous. And I had never been... That was like the shock. Going into like, okay, well now, this is like the big leagues. Like, wow. <laughs> but, but, but then again, I wasn't exposed to like the drugs or the gangs or the teen pregnancies or prom promis being promiscuous or anything. I wasn't into that because before I, be before I started my, 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 I mean, my freshman year, I had to do band camp. So band camp took up my entire summer from morning all the way into the evening. Was that the first time you went into band? No, I was in band in junior high. I played the clarinet. So you played the clarinet in junior high. How did you like that? I liked it. I thought I was going to be the next Glenn Miller. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to high school and I was completely knocked off my high horse. Because there were a lot better people. There was a lot. There was better people. There were older people that had been like playing clarinet since like elementary school and getting private, you know, private lessons. And here I was just playing with my my clarinet, you know, in middle school just because I didn't want to take PE. <laughs> <laughs> so you went into band camp, and how? What did, what was band camp like? Band camp was basically a bunch of nerds who played an instrument, geeking out. Well, it wasn't even. Well, you couldn't even. That band teacher, I don't know about other about other high schools, but our band teacher, she was very strict. Mm. Do not, she was like, do not jack around on my time. You have time. When you're on your downtime, that's your time to be an idiot. But when you're on my time, it's professionalism. And <clears throat> she was really good on discipline i mean she she was like the top dog for like over a hundred and something kids and we would not be out of line and for every competition i remember we would i mean band camp in the mornings was you got to go out and set up all your stuff make sure the field is clean set up everything get everything ready and then it was practice, 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 practice. And then we would break up into groups and practice, 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 practice. And then we would break for lunch and then come back and then practice, 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 practice. All the way until about like four or five in the afternoon, in the evening. And then clean up 
and then she would be clean up and then we had him we would have a meeting as a whole group and we would get scolded for things that we weren't doing right and then go home and then do everything again the next day for the entire summer and then fr and then school would start and then friday nights we would have football games and then we would do our football games Fridays, play for like, you know, halftime. And then Saturdays, we would like end, we would end our football games in the, like around 11 o'clock. We would get home like at 12. And then <clears throat> Saturdays, we would come back to school like at six in the morning, load up the trucks with our uniforms and our instruments and then leave for a competition, and then not come back to like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Did your parents ever have to discipline you when you were young? No. My mom had that look, like, when that eyebrow cocks up, you're in trouble. <laughs> so being disciplined <laughs> like that, and being able to hold your own, that wasn't not anything new to you. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. And so you, you were doing band practice and band camp and playing band during high school and your dad was really involved my my parents were involved your were, parents both of them. yeah they were band boosters uh, they would help out as much as they could my dad helped out a little bit more was that embarrassing to you no 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 uh -uh. no i had i thought it was cool because everybody called my dad pop everybody did everybody called my dad pop and my dad would drive the equipment truck and then um, Friday nights at the football games for our, to make money for our band. Uh, um, he would get together with the other boosters, with the other parents, and then he would grill hamburgers. And he would he had like this tactic where he would grill the onions, and and he would get the the visitors from the opposing team to come over and buy our hamburgers from our 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 stand and. They would sell out, and that's how we made our money to get our buses, and to get our uniforms clean, to get our instruments serviced and stuff. So it wasn't embarrassing. I wasn't that type of kid that, oh my god, my mom and my dad are here. <laughs> no, no. I was grateful that they were able to help. I'm sure you uh, saw the joy in other kids when their dad was helping them. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Even with like the kids from the neighborhood, right? You said that your dad would take them everywhere. Mm -hmm. And to this day, they still talk, they'll, they'll still talk about. I remember when your dad would take us to the to the air show, and then we would go to Lake Paris because my dad liked to go to Lake Paris for like barbecues or just to get out of the house. Yeah. And and there the kids, all the guys would be waiting at the van, and my dad would be like, my dad would never say no. And then my dad would be like, all right, well, if you have permission, get in. Let's and at go. that time, your parents were still getting along. No arguments, no big fights. And if they were arguing or they did have a fight, we never knew. Mm. We never knew about it. So. And so you were in high school. How were your grades in high school? Hmm. Um... <laughs> That sounded like, uh, uh, let's talk about something else. So, I wasn't like the best student in high school. Okay. I, I wasn't, 
like the straight A student. I struggled in high school. I had, mm. I, I struggled so hard in high school, but I, I don't know how I was in trigonometry and chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and then my senior year. You were in trigonometry? I was, and I hate math. I, <laughs> you really don't like math. I don't. Yeah. And I remember senior year, I was like, screw this. I don't want my senior year to be like all work, 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 work. No. So senior year, I took zero period because I had my own car by then. And I was done with school by 10 o'clock in the morning. And your senior year, your your dad still worked out in... In Whittier, in, in City of Commerce. City of Commerce. And my mom still worked in Whittier. In Whittier. So you were still... Home alone. Home by yourself. Mm-hmm. But high school... Was was your high school rough? How was your high school? So you said it was massive. It was well to me. It was massive. So there had to have been a lot of kids there. The, so okay. So in my class alone, when we started off as freshmen in nineteen ninety four, we started off with over two thousand freshmen. That's just freshmen. Just freshmen. Wow. And when we got to by the time we got to nineteen ninety eight. The year I graduated, in my class, there was over 800 that graduated. So out of the 2,000 freshmen that started off started off with you, we were left with over a little over 800. 800 is not a small amount of people, but that is crazy amount of cut from 2,000. So a lot of those kids ended up moving, right? They ended up moving or... They ended up going to continuation school because by the time they were um, sophomores, and, I mean juniors, and they didn't have the, the a certain amount of credits, oh, yeah. then they were automatically uh, shipped off to the continuation school. And I'm sure the city was uh, being expanded. Oh yeah, and probably. But we was... only had we only had um, Fontana was the only high school in Fontana at the time. Oh. Unless, uh, and then they I... They didn't open any other high schools? There was A.B. Miller, which was nearby, but that wasn't really... But that didn't open up from the time period. Well, I'm just trying to account why there was such a big cut of 1,200 kids from your original class, but I thought some maybe... Of them, some of them died, too. I mean, they were in gangs, so they were... <laughs> they they kind of disappeared. So there was a lot of stuff that going on in your school. Yeah, I mean, at my high school, when I as I got older, we had open campus, and I remember going. It was lunchtime, and I remember going to walking across campus, and hearing gunshots, and everybody just like hit the floor, and we're like, "What's going on?" And some guy just walked onto our campus, uh, dressed as a as a student. And went looking for someone in particular and ended up shooting him. Hmm. And then after that, we had closed campus. We weren't allowed off campus and stuff. And um, there were there were more fights, like more fights at that school. Um, I was. Did everybody go to lunch at the same time? Yes, we had lunch all together. Um, I remember having class 
on the farm because I had a, a biology class on a farm. So the farm was like a way across campus and you had to cross campus and you had to go through like this weird um, field that was empty that nobody really used to get to the farm. And I remember walking and that's the like my mornings walking to the to class to the farm is when I was exposed to drugs because like we had a group of Samoas Samoans yeah and they were getting high in that in that area high and, with marijuana with or marijuana oh. and I remember walking and they would blow smoke towards you towards me and and I'm like, oh my god, that smells like a skunk. <laughs> it smells so disgusting. <laughs> and it never interests you. Never in drugs. Never ever ever interested me. Ever, or like this sex never interested me when I was like in high school. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, that's just that's no. I have other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a farm class at, in high school. I did. It what was, was that um, one? It was fun. It was fun. Um, what did they teach you in there? FFA. Oh. Animal, animal Anatomy and Physiology. Mm-hmm. And I remember having to clean the farm, being out there cleaning cleaning the pig, pig pens and the chicken coops and the goats. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we were around these animals all year. And then all of a sudden, the animals were gone. And it was during, um, I guess there's like a season where they get auctioned off. And they would get auctioned off to slaughterhouses. So we would raise these animals and then show them at the L.A. County Fair. Mm -hmm. And um, they would be bought. And then they wouldn't come back. But I would get attached to them. I would even name them. And my teacher would get mad at me. He's like, you're not supposed to name them. I'm like, why not? And he's like, you're not even supposed to be petting them. And you're in there petting them and cuddling them. That's somebody's food. <laughs> and I couldn't... Did, did you understand what that meant? I did. What I didn't understand is how come the baby calf was in a cage. And I didn't understand that it was veal and I let it out. <laughs> <laughs> I let it out, and were, I was like... Were you a big animal person when you were a little kid? Oh, yeah. I wanted to be a veterinarian, even more so after I got attacked by the dog. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice, man. Huh. I'm not... I mean, for being attacked by a German Shepherd and having my face not on, not off, I was never afraid of dogs. And I never treated treated dogs like they were animals mostly in part thanks to my dad you know my dad's always taught us that animals are a living being so you need to treat them with respect and they're a dog isn't just a pet it's a it's a family member what would your mom think i pinchy perro sangron no my mom, I mean, my mom's not going to get all cuddly, cuddly with an animal, but she would never be abusive or mean. She'd just be like, oh, they're bringing another dog <laughs> or another animal. Did you have, what other animals did you have? I had 
uh, rabbits, and I had cats and birds. So That's you had it. dogs, cats, birds, birds and, and rabbits. rabbits. Mm -hmm. Multiple at one time? No. Oh. No. Different staggered. Different times, different animals. Yeah. But I wanted to be a veterinarian, so. It wasn't until I got older that I didn't want to be a veterinarian. Probably when I put my dog to sleep. Which one? I don't know. I put so many dogs to sleep. Well, you love a lot of animals, and you keep them around for a long time, so. Mm -hmm. It was probably one of the first ones that you put to sleep. Is that what you said? Probably. I don't remember. And so you put an animal to sleep, and that's what deterred you from wanting to be a veterinarian? Mm-hmm. Why? Because you saw them, like, at their last leg of life, you know? You saw them in pain. I think that I think it was probably when I didn't want to be a veterinarian. It was when my Labrador Senka got sick. She got cancer. She got all these tumors. And I remember the vet saying, <clears throat> saying, you don't want your dog to be in pain. And if you love her as much as you say you do, you would let her go. And I always remember that, and I think that's that's selfish of me to keep a sick animal around just for my selfish needs. Yeah. You don't know what, what pain that animal's going through, so put your selfish needs aside and put that dog to sleep. Did you ha ever have any jobs in high school? I did. I worked at a pet hotel. Did you? <laughs> I walked. I remember I would get paid, like... $12 an hour, $10 an hour, to go pet a cat in its room for one hour. <laughs> pet it for an hour, brush its hair, turn the TV on, and put movies on for it. And that was it. And then I would... I was move the on to the next animal? Move on to the next animal. I had, like, a list of chores that the owner would leave me every day. The owner of the hotel. Mm. So every day I would come home, I would come to work and... There was a list for me to do. You remember what grade you were in? I was a senior in high school. And that was your first job? That was my first job. And then I quit. And so that was your first job, and that was only in your senior year of high school. Were you still in band at that time? Mm-hmm. Right. I was still in band. Quite but a busy I was, life. But I was getting out of school early. Oh, yeah. And then I, I, I stopped working at the... Pet hotel, and I got a job at Round Table Pizza. Why did you stop working at the pet hotel? Because I was the only one that was actually there to work. The owners were older, so they were putting a lot more responsibility on me. And I still had, you know, my senior activities like prom, homecoming, band, and they weren't understanding that. I'm still a kid. I still have to go to school, you know. Um, but I was, I was, I gave them my two-week notice and I worked for the last two weeks. And when my last two weeks were up, then I just left. And then I started working at, at a round table pizza. And I worked my way up from washing dishes to becoming the manager. So, How long did that take you? From working my way up? Well, you were still in 
your senior year of high school and you started working at Roundtable? By the time I graduated high school, I was working the register and serving beers. And then probably like before Christmas, after I had graduated, I was given the position of manager and the keys to the restaurant. You were 18 years old. Mm-hmm. I was 18. Wow. Running the place. Running the place, working basically seven days a week. But it was fun. It was a lot of responsibility, but like, I I know, I know, I know, and I noticed that I work better. I work my best when I'm under pressure and stress. Yeah. Sometimes I, I like, I have meltdowns, but, <laughs> but at that time I'm like, no, 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 this is good because then I, I was looking like at the numbers when I would work and I'm like, hey, even the owners would notice, hey, when you're working, your, your shifts bring in more money. Yeah. And everybody was happy because I wasn't that, that, I wasn't like the other managers who would just sit down and just watch everybody. I would get in, help out, help out. Hey, if the dishes needed to be washed, I'm going to go wash dishes. If the floor needs to be sweep, I'm going to sweep it. And I never treated anybody like, well, I'm the manager. No, I'm a work. I'm working here just like you. And, um, <clears throat> um, did your employees like working with you? They did because especially the delivery guys, because when they would work on my crew, they also noticed that they would make the most tips. Really? Mm -hmm. They would go home with like 200 and something dollars in tips. And back then was a lot of money. That is a lot of money. On, on just one day. That was a Friday night. So the days that I would work, nobody called in sick ever. Because they knew that my shift, my crew, if you worked on my crew, we were going to work together as a team efficiently and just get through the night. There was no mistakes. They made good money. There was no money missing out of the registers. Everybody was happy. Mm. Customers were happy. Pizza, I mean, there was like, there were times where there was like a wait for your delivery, it was going to be an hour and a half. But sometimes if that, if, if push came to shove, then I would get another, like another employee who didn't have the, like that much experience delivering. Yeah. I'd be like, Hey, you got your car keys, you got insurance. You go take this order. It's been waiting too long. You get, you get tips. You get to keep your tip. So, I mean, on a Friday, Saturday night, I would have, instead, like, during the week, maybe there would be, like, one delivery guy. Friday, Saturday, Sundays, I would have, like, four delivery guys. And those guys were, like, eager to work. Like, yeah, I'll work. I'll cancel my plans and work because I can make $200 in tips. And so, they were busy. They were busy. And they were college guys. They were going to the University of San Bernardino. So... They were under me, and I was just out of high school. <laughs> that didn't cause any any rift between anybody. Nope, 
everybody everybody worked really good together mm. on my when they would work with me. No. So when they would work with the other managers, the other managers were like very dramatic and stuff, and they would just sit there and dictate to everybody, and I wasn't like that. I was I, I don't. I'm I'm not that type of worker. Hmm. I don't have that type of work ethic. I'm. I mean, I I have I think I have a good a good work ethic. I'm responsible and I can work good alone. I can work good with the group. Excuse me, I can work good with the group. And you like the owner of the restaurant? Hell no. <laughs> I did not like him. He was um. He was a disgusting pervert. Was he? Always asking me to come sit on his lap in his office. And I'm like, I'm not stupid. No, that's disgusting. You're old and you smell like old leather. Was there any of the other employees that sat on his lap? Oh, yeah. Besides his daughter? Yeah. <laughs> there was other, the, the, the other manager. She would go over there and close the door behind her and come out with like, buttons and this button and it was gross he reminded me of like this 80 year old howdy doody with a his leather his leather vest with fringe on the back and his bolo tie and he smelled of like like that that um gross cheap cologne that you can buy at the 99 cent store now called Mior. <laughs> <laughs> and so you graduated high school. Mm -hmm. You're working at this restaurant. What else are you doing? At that time, I was hanging out with my gay best friend going to gay clubs. And I thought it was like the coolest thing. I wasn't gay, but to be exposed to the gay community. Was that the first time you were exposed to gay people? Yes. But you said when you guys were going through high school that you could tell that he was gay. I well, I could. I didn't want to tell that he was gay <laughs> because I had a crush on him. But all my friends were like, I can sniff it. He's gay. I'm like, no, he's not. You guys are just jealous because he looks like Ricky Martin. You guys are just jealous because you guys look like buttholes. <laughs> But I didn't, maybe in the back of my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I do get a little bit of, of a burn from his flames, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to like accept it, I guess. Was I had that... a little glimmer of hope that maybe I can change him. <laughs> Were, was being gay something that your family ever talked about? No. It wasn't a big deal. Like with my mom and my dad? Yeah. No. My mom, I, didn't, I mean, I really didn't talk about stuff like that with my brother and my sister. Because we were old, they were older than me and they had their own thing and I had my, my own stuff. And yeah. So. And so they just, you, not that they kept you from it, they didn't. Uh, we didn't talk about you it. You just didn't have any reason to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And so. You graduated high school, you're working uh, as a manager at the round table, and you're going out with your gay best friend. And going to college. And going to college. Mm -hmm. What kind of classes were you taking in college? 
Espanol. <laughs> the easiest classes I can take. Art, uh, pottery, just easy classes just to kind of like skim through the first year. And that was, yeah, I'm on the 20-year plan at a community college. <laughs> and so you, you still lived at your, your parents' house? Yeah. Who else lived there with you? Uh, well, my brother, everybody lived at the house, but everybody was Your doing sister? it. Yeah. My sister had moved back in. Uh, we were all going to school. We were all in college, but we were also working. We were off doing our own things. Um, my brother ended up going into the academy. I didn't even know he was in the process of going into the academy until the day we took him to the airport. I'm like, where's he going? <laughs> I'm like, why are we here? Where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to the academy. Well, what academy? I'm going to CHP. Well, what is CHP? I had never really heard about CHP until he went. He started going in, like, to the academy. I didn't even know there was an investigator coming to our house to investigate where we lived and who the people in our neighborhood were. That's how in my own little bubble I was. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I was in Lisette's world. Lisette's world. With my gay best friend. Huh. Was I I seem to think that you really didn't have well, other than the death of, you know, loved ones around you, you really didn't have a lot of negativity in your uh history. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Huh. It wasn't until I got older. Did you? Did your parents ever go on vacations? Like by they, themselves? No, with you guys, or did yeah. they ever take you guys anywhere? Yeah, they had to. <laughs> <laughs> where do you, Where do you guys go? Uh, we would go to like Vegas. We would go to um. Mexico. Uh, we would we would come up here to Clovis and to visit my uncle, and I'd be like, "Dang, that's like in Timbuktu. That's far. I don't want to go over there anymore. That's far, and there's nothing out there. It smells like cow." <laughs> Long behold, I move over here. <laughs> and so you guys. You start going to college. You start trying to live in... At what point in time did you leave Roundtable Pizza? I left Roundtable like in 1999. Why did you leave? Because the owner told got in my face and told me that my job was to be at his beck and call. And I remember my dad's voice... In my head saying, no te dejes. <laughs> and I didn't. I let that man have it. Did you? I did. Like in front of all the customers and, and everything? No, it oh. was before the restaurant had opened, but all the other workers were there getting ready for their for our shift. Yeah. Um, the guy making the pizza dough was there, and I was having my meeting with them, like my little pep talk with them that I would have. And I remember, um, you said that every time he would come in, you would have to have his 
his some food, kind of right? Food, right, right. Yeah, and I had to go serve. They had to go serve it to him in his office and with a drink and everything. And I remember the food came out, and I just put it underneath the the in the heat lamp to keep it warm. And I remember I was talking to my employee or to my workers, and he just comes and he's like. <laughs> What is this? I'm like, oh, that's your food. Well, what is it doing there? Well, it's waiting for you to come get it. And he's like, no, you're supposed to come feed me, hand me my plate in my office, and you're supposed to be at my beck and call and do as I say. And I, was, I wasn't even 19, and I remember my dad's voice in my head saying, no te dejes. And I didn't, and I just. What'd you tell him? I told him, you're a pervert. You're disgusting. I don't know who you think you're talking to. I don't need this. And at that time, I was also. <clears throat> I was uh, trying to get my license to drive school buses. So I wasn't in the position. I was in the position that I could leave. But I wanted to be professional and just wait to the proper time and give my two week notice. But he let that come early, so. You blew up on him. I did, and. In front of the employees. In front of the employees. And were I remember. They, were I were re they happy that you were doing that? Their mouths just dropped because I wasn't like that. I wasn't like the type to do that. Did that, you surprise yourself? I did. <laughs> I was surprised I took off, I took off my shirt. I had a shirt underneath. Oh, and I was going to say you were walking around in your bra. No, <laughs> then I had I had a shirt underneath, and then it was my my work shirt. And I remember I, as I'm yelling at him, um, I'm trying to remember his name, and I can't even remember his name. But I, I remember unbuttoning my shirt, and I'm trying, and it wouldn't it wouldn't like I couldn't get it off from around my waist because the apron was I had my Apron. apron wrapped around and I remember I was like yelling and yelling and yelling and yelling and I finally take off my apron and my apron was like full with like um, pizza sauce because mm -hmm. I was helping the guy make the sauce and I remember I just threw it at him I threw it at the owner and he had like pizza sauce on his howdy doody vest and his bolo tie and then I just left and he and he and then I remember him calling as I'm walking out the door because it was like a long uh, dining room you had across. He's calling his wife, saying Suzanne, Suzanne. He had like an like a Western accent. He wasn't even from like Texas or anything. He's like Suzanne, I think I'm having a heart attack because Lizette she is not allowed back in here. She is being so disrespectful. She didn't want to serve me. Like every woman should. I'm like, I remember turning back and I'm like, what? And he's like, and I think the cop should be called on her because I don't know what kind of damage she'll come do to retaliate against me. And she has the code to the restaurant and the key to the money box. And I remember I had the keys. And I remember throwing the keys at him and saying, you can take your keys and shove it up your ass. And then I went home and my dad's like, what are you doing home? And I told him, and he goes, no te dejes. I'm like, exactly, I did it. And then that was it. No one ever talked about it. No one asked me about it anymore. 
He didn't try calling you back? He did. And I would I would just hang up the phone. I would hear his voice and I would hang up the phone. <laughs> his wife never tried <clears throat> calling you? She called she was a, she was a nice lady. And she called me and she's like, Oh my god, Lizette, please come back. I'm like, Nope. She's like, I promise you won't see him. I'm like, Nope, uh uh-uh. uh. I don't want to be there. Not in that, no. So I never went back. And you started? uh, And then I started finishing my training for my commercial license to be a school bus driver. And then I... What made you want to go that route? To work at school buses? Yeah. My brother was a school bus driver. Your mom was a school bus driver. And my mom was a school bus driver. But I, my brother took me to his, where he used to work. To put in an application just to get my foot in the door. Was that Durham? That was Laidlaw. Oh, Laidlaw. And I worked there for like about a year or two. Probably like a year. So you got your license there. I got my license. And I worked there for a year and I thought, oh, this is cool because I'm close to home. It was like an upland. And I ended up leaving. Why did you leave? Because this suppo- I had an incident on the bus. And someone had called, a parent had called saying that I jumped the curb and I hit the basketball court with my mirror and I took it and I ran over the basketball court and I put the bus in reverse and I took off and I'm like, I didn't even do that. But they wanted to believe the parent over me because I wasn't done with my probation. So So were you let go or did you leave? I was, I was let go. But as I'm, as they're telling me that I, that I'm, you know, I'm on probation. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm, I understand I'm being let go. I get on the phone and I tell them I'm calling my mom at her, at her work. And I remember her boss saying, well, tell her to come fill out an application here. I, I can do her interview right now. So I drove from high Upland all the way to Whittier, did an interview. And I started working there the next day. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. And you spent 16 years there. 17. 17 years there. Mm-hmm. Working around all these fodongas. Oh, my God. Working with women is the worst. <laughs> working, no. Okay. So working with 150 bitter women who were cheated on, are going through menopause, who don't know who their baby daddies are. <laughs> Uh, did I Not say it? all of them were like that. And the majority of them. Um, yeah. So, it's hard working with women. Maybe that's why I don't like them. So, <laughs> in high school, did you have any boyfriends? In my head. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they didn't know about it. <laughs> so... You didn't have any boyfriends in high school, and you didn't, did you, when did you start dating anybody? When I met you. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. Wow. Because, okay, so as we got older, as the guys in my neighborhood that I grew up with, as we got older, I asked them one time. Actually, it was when we all got together for one of their mother's funerals. We all had a barbecue, and I asked them. Were you in high school? No. We, oh. we were, I was already married. I already had kids. 
Okay. We all got together because one of their one of their moms died. Yeah. And we had a barbecue at the house, and we were just like talking about, you know, old times. Old times. And I had asked them, hey, like, why didn't you? Why don't you? Why didn't any of you dipshits ever want to date me? And they're like, honestly, they're like, we want like some of them had said, well, we wanted to, but. Like, we had a conversation with your brother, <laughs> and it was mostly your brother who kind of, like, said, you better not do it. So that's, it was mainly because of your brother. We never asked you up. Nobody else ever tried to ask so you My out? brother was, like, a big cock blocker. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else tried to ask you out anyway? Uh, other than them? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, other than them. Uh, like, I don't know, all other guys at high school? Not in high school. Um, I know that there was this one waiter at Applebee's. His name is, I guess his name was, I don't know, I don't know what his real name was, but his tag said Peps. And I remember every Friday I would go to Applebee's. I think he became rich from all the tips that I left. Um, and I don't know, I guess, I, I guess he got scared or I intimidated him too much. I don't know. So he seemed interested. He did. And I, I you knew he was, or you thought he was interested, so that's why you would go there often? Uh-huh. And I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's my height. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's the curly hair. <laughs> I don't know. Why'd and, you stick and, around? <laughs> and so at the time you were going to Applebee's every Friday... You were driving buses? Uh, I think so. Because obviously you were working on Fridays at Roundtable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you left there and you started driving buses... Okay, so when I was single, it seemed like nobody was interested. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. So when I was married, that when I got married, that people would like, I would be on my lunch break and I was already a school bus driver in Whittier and I'd be on my lunch break by myself. For example, I had gone, I had gone to go eat lunch by myself at the corner bakery that they had just opened. I didn't even know it was a grand opening because there was nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only loner boner that was there. And this guy comes out of nowhere and hands me a bag and it had a chocolate muffin. And I look and I'm like, oh, I didn't order this. He's like, oh no, it's, it's from me to you. I'm the manager here and you just look like you needed a muffin. I'm like, cause I'm chubby. <laughs> you give a chubby girl a chocolate muffin. I'll take it. But what are you doing? Oh, and then, and then he just sat there, and I'm doing homework at the at the same time. And then he just starts asking me out, and like I'm married. <laughs> and I showed him my ring. I'm like I'm married, happily. He's like it's okay. I'm married too. I'm like ew, <laughs> <laughs> ew. <laughs> and it's like he wanted to take you out on a date. Yeah, I'm like no, I'm married. That's that's a no no. You don't do that. Huh. Okay. Did That's, I ever tell you? No. <laughs> well, I'm telling you now. Well, I I knew that you you would tell me that there would be guys that hit on you, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would always make it a joke. Like make, I would always make a joke out of it. Cause I'm like, really seriously, me? Like what? There's nothing special. You, you, you're a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. But so, before you met me, you were just busy trying to get your career started. One of the careers. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something. By this time, I was like on the ten-year plan at a community college. Because <laughs> I still do not know what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah, and I know you're trying to go to college now, but the not the stuff that you want to do at this community college. But we're trying to figure that out. But so you're working as a school bus driver, and what kind of kids did you? Uh, Bus around. So every summer we would bid for our routes, and you had your choice of regular ed or special ed. And I had always done special special needs. I don't know. I don't know if it's because it was a smaller group of kids that I was responsible for, but I chose every year. To work with special needs, and I loved it. I never treated those kids like they had a disability. And I think it showed, and they appreciated it. So you, you did, for a long time, you did special needs kids. Right, and there was a... Did you fall onto that accidentally, or did you, oh, oh you know, this is one group of kids, or oh, maybe I'll try <clears throat> that out for the first time? So I try like, I... I was like given this route on with a 84 passenger bus of junior high kids. And when I came back to the office, I'm like, uh, I'm getting ready to quit. <laughs> they need to be exercised like an exorcism. <laughs> no, I don't want to. Uh, uh-uh. that's not for me. And I chose from then on just to do special needs. And I, I think it, I think most in part it's because it was a smaller group. It was a smaller group, so I was I had more of a like a one-on-one with the kids and I had that interaction with the parents and I had the interaction with the teachers and I it was like I I created bonds not just with the students but with the parents because when you're a, when you're a parent when you're a parent you expect you're putting your your child on this person's bus that you don't even know and you're you're teaching your kids don't talk to strangers but then on the first day of school this bus rolls around and you're putting your kid on with a stranger you, you know yeah so like, I enjoyed the fact that the parents felt comfortable handing me their baby. Especially special needs. Especially special needs, yeah. right? And the parents would be like, oh my God, you know, just make sure that they don't do this and that this. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and as soon as we would roll around the corner, we would turn on the music and those kids would be like, you know, dancing, rocking out, rocking out in their wheelchairs and... And as I got older and I started taking classes and, you know, 
child psychology and then psychology period, I started understanding that the way I have to, I have to set aside the way, let's say something crappy happened to me in the morning. Mm -hmm. I had to set that aside and I have to put a smile on my face and be positive and, and act and be happy because my behavior and my attitude sets the tone for that child's day. So if I'm like, I didn't want to be like those other bus drivers who were like crabby and, you know, negative and cranky. I always had my hair brushed. I always wanted to smell pretty. And I always wanted my bus to smell really clean and, you know, spick and span and smell nice and always open that door. The first thing would be like, hey, good morning. What are you doing? Let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's have a good day. And the kids would get on the bus with no hesitation. And that would be an easy transition for the parent to like, okay, they had a meltdown, but they, you know, she comes she picks them up, they get on, they're done with, you know, they don't have a meltdown and they change their attitude. Okay. And then the teachers also notice like, Hey, mom called me saying that they had a meltdown at home, but they get off the bus really happy, you know, and that's pretty cool because then that, that kind of makes it easy for the rest of the day. So I learn, you know, and I, and I, I learned that and, I I would always get requested by the parents or by the by the school district like hey they would call my off my boss and be like hey we want her to be our driver for the year and I had a I, there was a period of uh, a few years that I had the same group of kids boys they were all boys um, I had them from sixth grade all the way to their senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw them go from little boys to young men. And to see them, to see like their faces change and have facial hair, it was it was a trip. Like man, yeah. now now you're getting to see that in your sons. Yep. And so you go through a few years where you're driving around special needs and you're forming bonds and you're. I know you still keep in touch with the, some of those parents. Uh-huh. Um, what, at what point in time did you leave PTC? So there was an incident, a major incident at work where there was a death of one of our students, our special needs students. And <clears throat> things changed for the worst after that, obviously. Um, People started getting, uh, people started getting fired. Um, there was investigations going on. Parents were like, not. Some parents were just like being completely rude with the drivers. That you know, <clears throat> the driver that was involved with the death of the student ended up getting fired and let go, and arrested. And so it was just like a big shakeup for the you know, for the company. But, but by this time I was already like, I'm completely checked out. Like I didn't want to have anything to do with the people I worked with. I would go in 
do my job, be professional about it, um, treat my students with respect and be chill with them. But as soon as I would get back to the yard, I would just check out, clock out. I don't talk to anybody. I wouldn't even hang out with anybody anymore. I would go for like, every day I would go for like a six mile walk and then go to the gym, work out, and then go do homework and then go back. Do my route, do my job, clock out and go home. And then I asked, I asked the school, I asked my boss if I can, you know, how I can go about doing a leave of absence for a certain amount of time. And she played me wrong. She said, well, just write a letter and I'll present it to the school board behind closed doors during closed session. Why was that played you wrong? Because she never gave the letter to the school district. And I was told that she never gave it to her to the school district in closed session by her close friend. That close friend came to my house and told me, hey, you know she never gave that letter to the school district behind closed, during closed session. And I was wondering, well, why can't I present it to the school board during open session? It's me asking for the time off, not you. And she said, well, it's because it could only, be, it could only happen behind closed, closed session. And I was like, oh, okay. So I gave her my letter, and she never gave it to them. But she told you they rejected it. She told me that they rejected it. And by this time, I was like, fuck you, I'm leaving anyway. So I ended up, um, summer came around. um, What year was this? 2016. So it was going to be the the school year of uh, 16-17. And that summer came, <clears throat> we left to New York, back east. And when we came back, we took the boys to Legoland. And I was telling you, hey, I need to call my boss because tomorrow's orientation. And you're like, well, you're not going back. And I'm like, uh, well, I can't call over the phone and quit over the phone, not after 17 years. So, during the first day of orientation, I was supposed to go in uniform, and I had washed all my uniforms, had them all folded and packed, and I asked for my, um, for my, for everything to be signed, for me to be, um, what do you call it, I wasn't going back. So I signed all my papers for my uh, CSEA and my 401k so I can have all that paperwork ready. And I signed my paperwork after 17 years and I never looked back. And so... And I think I, I left at a good time because I left on my terms. Yeah. Right? I wasn't let go. I wasn't fired. I was I left on my terms which was good because after that, that's when things really started going bad at the yard and it ended up dissolving and shutting down and people got fired after people there, people were there for like 
30 something years and they were let go like nothing like nothing so <clears throat> and people stopped and I, the people that I thought were friends stopped talking to me they were upset because I left I'm like why are you upset that I left I left on my own terms I wasn't fired I wasn't let go I left because I wanted to leave and I left because my boys needed me need me I saw my students more than I saw my kids and so let's go back to how did you meet me you <laughs> so your your my mom your mom is married to Sandy is married to Sandy and, and Sandy, Sandy works with your mom worked with me with you but she has been friends with my mom for over 30 something years yeah. and they had worked together for 30 something years so my mom she didn't know no no know you but she knew of you and she told you that well, Sand my mom and Sandy needed someone to help them out. So your mom and Sandy had bought a house in Whittier. And my dad worked at Sinclair at the time. And he was the paint formulator or mixer or something like that. He made something with paint. And Sandy asked me if I would ask my dad for a catalog for paint. Because they needed paint for their house, for their new house in Whittier. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you the catalog. And then she asked me, well, I need help painting because I don't know how to paint. I'm like, who doesn't know how to paint? And I'm like, all right, I'll go help. I don't have anything to do. I'll go help. But I'm thinking, who doesn't know how to paint uh, like a room? Little did I know it was like a way to get to me to get to meet you. So I get to the house, I show up ready to paint, and I meet you, and I meet Anna, your mom. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, nice to meet you, Louie. But you have a kid, and I don't want to, I didn't want to mix with that. Like, I had no, no interest when I knew that you had a kid. I know it sounds, it sounds mean, but... It's the truth. It's the truth. So, how did we go on our first date? So, we had gone on a first date because um, my cousin was getting married. And I was supposed, I was going to go. And then Sandy told my mom, well, I think she needs a date. And my mom's like, yes, let's get them to go on a date together let's have them in go in front of your whole family in front of my whole family let's have their first date in front of the whole family <laughs> be like uh those movies that the when the, the the two couple or the couple courting that the family's trailing behind them yeah that was basically us so i remember i picked you up i was sick you were sick and i picked you up for the wedding and we go to Santa Ana for the wedding. And my uncle's there. And my uncle's a doctor. And my uncle's like, oh, do you want a beer, Louie? And you're like, well, I'm on these antibiotics. And I remember my uncle's like, what type of antibiotics are you on? And you tell him. And he's like, eh, you'll be fine. Just drink this beer. 
And I still had no interest in you because I'm like, he has a kid. And when there's a kid, there's like baby mama drama. And I don't want to have anything to do with that. And then, I mean, we after that, I think I ended our date really early. Like I dropped you off. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. You have like tuck and roll. Just <laughs> I'm going to do drive up. You just roll out of the car so I can go home. And But we would still talk after that. Yeah. We would talk here and there yeah. on the phone. And then I remember I was getting ready to take my parents to the airport because for a while there, every every year for their anniversary, they would leave to Mexico for like a month. And I was getting ready to take them to the airport. And you're like, you call and you're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm taking my parents on. I'm heading out to take them to the airport because they're leaving. And you're like, well, what are you doing tomorrow? Like nothing. You're like, you know what tomorrow is? I'm like, it's Saturday. You're like, no, it's Valentine's Day. I'm like, whoopie doo. <laughs> and you're like, you want to go to the movies? I'm like, what? You're like, because misery loves company. I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, is that a compliment? And then I said it to my friend. And he's like, uh, that wasn't a compliment, was that? <laughs> but. And then after that, we started dating. We started dating. I'm like, oh, he stuck around. He stuck like glue. And, and we dated for a little bit. We dated for a little bit. We dated, and then the arranged marriage. You're happened. so dumb. It wasn't arranged. It wasn't arranged. <laughs> he was infatuated. <laughs> I was infatuated. And then that was it. I was infatuated with your beauty. We dated for a year. We were engaged for a year. And then... 2006, we got married. Right. In 2005, we bought our house. We bought our house in Apple Valley. And then 2006, we got married. And then 2007, we had Louie. A year and a day from our wedding day. Yep. <clears throat> and so we started having kids... We started living our lives, but it's not a normal relationship. No. Why is that? Because we were never together. Because we lived in Apple Valley. You worked in Whittier. And I lived in Fontana. And you, you stayed with your parents in, in Fontana. Fontana. We did that for a good five, six years. Well, we, were, we got pregnant with Sebastian, and I remember... Yeah, Sebastian, we had to stay in Whittier at least that week that we were supposed to have, uh, that Sebastian was supposed to come uh, into the world. When he was born. Yeah. yeah. But I remember even with Louie, we had to go and stay with my cousin in Whittier because she lived close to the hospital because I was like, uh... I do not want to have my kid in the Cajon Pass and then, with my luck, have my brother, who's the CHP, Deliver be delivering you. the baby. You don't no. want him looking at you. No, and he, and he even told me, uh, no, I do not want to deliver your baby. That's gross. And then he goes, and you don't want his certificate, his birth certificate reading, birthplace Cajon Pass. Yeah, because that's what happens. So we stayed, I stayed with my cousin in Whittier for at least a week. Yeah. And the day of, I came down. The, you came down on our anniversary. We had a barbecue. 
we had it, and then you stayed. And then in the middle of the night, I woke up. You, you thought you had heartburn or something. I thought I had heartburn and an upset stomach. And I didn't know that. You were in labor. I was in labor. And then we went to the hospital, and we walk into the hospital, and I was going to get checked in. Because, you know, we just walk in, and we're like, oh, I think I'm having my baby. And the nurse is like, oh, okay, well, let's get you ready. And then, boom, this lady storms through, like, the double doors of the delivery room. And she's like, she has her hands by her by her crotch area. The baby's head's there. And they're like, no, Miss Miramontes, you can wait. <laughs> We're going to take this one right here. I'm like, yeah, 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 you go do your thing. Go, go. She looks like she's about to have it in the hallway. So... <clears throat> Louis, we're there for Louis to be born right. at the hospital. And the doctor checking up on you, and it's getting ready time for the Louis to be born, and then what's going on in the room? So I was hooked up to an oxygen mask because the baby was, his heartbeat was slowing down because he wasn't getting any oxygen. So my sister was in the room, and you were in the room. And I remember the doctor, he was an older man. I couldn't really talk because I had the oxygen mask on my face. And you two, you and the doctor, are watching the football game. Chargers. The Chargers. We're watching the Chargers football game. Right. And I'm over here like, ah, ah, ah. and my sister's like, oh my God, this is so gross. Oh my God, this is so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you hate me now. Um. I'm going to be in therapy forever. Um, and I remember I would I would feel a contraction and want to push. And the doctor's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. And then you guys would turn around and watch the game. And then a commercial would come on and they're like, okay, okay, now push. <laughs> so you being so quiet, you're counting. You're like, one. But you're like counting so loud and you were like, taking like these pauses in between. I wanted you to hurry up, but you were counting so loud that the other mothers who were in labor were going at the same pace as I was. Because <laughs> they were keeping tat, they were like listening, to, listening to you. So all the babies were born at the same time because of you. <clears throat> and we, so <laughs> we were all synchronized. <laughs> So in the middle of watching a football game, Louie's born. Louie's born. The doctor's holding him proudly like, yeah, this is a, this is a healthy baby. Yeah. And then Luisito pees all over him. <laughs> and the doctor's like, happy birthday to both of us. Because it was his birthday too. Yeah. And so what was Bashi's birth like? Easy. <laughs> was it? I just had a cough. <laughs> his his was a, a scheduled induced so we went in we went in and I'm like Louie my stomach's hurting and you're like oh it's probably what you you know because we ate well during Bashi's birth or during Bashi's pregnancy you were eating a lot of junk food I was I was craving junk food left and right I would have cheeseburgers and I would drink coffee not decaf yeah, like coffee, coffee. Because decaf, everybody knows, is just like a hooker wanting to cuddle. <laughs> it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah. 
And so Bashi's, he's born. It's kind of an easy birth. And then... But the doctor was also the first doctor's... Son. Son. Yeah, the first doctor's son. Yeah, he was a character. Yeah. And so... He comes in with a sandwich in his mouth. Satan lights, camera, dad, you got your camera ready? Action, go. Mom, cough. And he comes up. And he comes up. That's it. That was it. Easy peasy. Yeah. Born on Earth Day. Yeah. And so uh, we go through our lives. We moved on to Highland. And I'm still with the Bureau. Mm -hmm. But you encourage me to do what? I encourage you to do what you want and what you've always wanted to do, which is be a helicopter mechanic to not just in helicopters, but an avi- an aviation mechanic. So I remember I went to school. Why, to, why did you want me to do that, though? Because I hated you being an officer. You were desensitized. You were bringing your, your work home. And you were forgetting that we were your family and not your inmates. And you were just... Not good times. And so you encouraged me to go back to school. I start going to DeVry to get my general ed. Right. And you start going to Chafee. Right. And, and I, then what happens? And I remember at Chafee, um, I parked my car and I look over... And Chafee's kind of like at levels. And I look over and I'm like, huh, I never seen that before. It was a helicopter. It was like on display. So I remember I I went to my appointment to go talk to my counselor. And then before I left, I asked my counselor, hey, what's that helicopter? And and she was like, oh, it's the, what is that? The AMP um, training class. Are you interested? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) do I look like I want to be a mechanic and then she's like oh for what and I'm like oh I'm just curious about my husband I I wanted I just wanted to know what it was about so she was like oh it's for the AMP class it's it's like a a full-time thing and I'm like oh okay so I remember I got home that day and I said well I have another appointment with my counselor but I need you to go with me and you're like, why? I'm like, just go with me. Take your, your DD-214 and all your information and just go. So I remember you got all your stuff. And we go to the school. And then you went off into the veterans um, office. And I went off to my counselor. And I got out before you did. And I'm like, where is that? Where is he? And then you were coming out of the out of that, um, the department, the class, where they had the AMP classes. And you're like, well, I start school on, I guess, on in August or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? You're like, yeah, I'm going to start classes. I'm like, cool. And lo and behold, what did that entail? That was a heck of a lot of work. Because you... You were working graveyard, and then you would come home, and then you would go to school. And then you would get out of school, and you would go to work. I was working 4 to midnight. Right. 
And then I would come home, get a couple hours of sleep. And then go. And then go to school. Right. And you did that for two years. I'd go to school for seven hours. Mm-hmm. Go to work for eight hours. And then come home and rest for a little bit. Right. And I didn't see you guys for like two years. Mm-mm. No. I mean, so basically we were married, but I was a single single mom. For a long time. Yeah. A long time. And I think that's why the boys come to me more than they come to you. It's not that they don't want to. They're just not used to it. They're just not used to it. And this is, since us moving up here, I think this is, well, not I think. It is the first time we're actually together as a family. Yeah. After, this will be. What's that feel like? This this is like year two we're yeah. going on. We've been married, what, 16 years? Mm-hmm. And this is the first two years that we've actually lived together as a family. Yeah. At first, it was like, oh, my God, we're having dinner together. This is so weird. And then it was like, oh, my God, he's like, we see him every day. Oh, my God, I can't sleep in the middle of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was what I had asked. You've been asking for that. For us to be a family. Is that the first time that you've ever struggled in your life being married to me? Yes. Do you regret being married to me? Sometimes. The truth. Sometimes. Sometimes I think, I'm like, fuck this, I don't need this. Um, I can, I can do, I did it by myself without you around, you know, I can keep doing it. What keeps you around? The fact that we have goals. As a family. That's why you're staying with me? And for your benefit, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Not because you love me. No, it's because of your benefits. I get my college paid for. Once you get my farm, then then I'll leave. So you have two boys. I do. Are we planning on having any more? Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm done. I don't, I know that we are like, oh, let's adopt. I mean, it might might sound selfish. I have a lot of friends that I met while I was working in Highland that are adopted, adoptive parents. Yeah. And I, I would think, I think, oh, that is so selfless. That's really admirable, you know? But I don't, not because I don't want, oh, 
I don't want to. Like, I had, we had our boys, and it was hard being married, but like a single parent at the same time. And now that we're together, they're getting older, and they're, Louis will be out of school in four years. And then Sebastian will be out of school in six years. And we're in our 40s. By the time they're done with high school, we'll be like in our early 50s. That's still young enough, young enough for us to do what we want. That we do things that we've wanted to do. And if we have another kid, we can't do that anymore. No. Maybe in those six years from here now, maybe things will change. But for right now, I don't, I don't want to take on another responsibility. There's just too much going on for me. Like, I want to finish school. I want to enjoy my boys. And then I, I, I get... I start thinking, oh my gosh, well, like, I don't, I just don't want to take on that responsibility. The way you treat the boys at their school and the way you volunteer and stuff, uh, is that because your parents did that for you? No. My mom and my dad never got to volunteer for my schools. When I was younger. But they did some of your band stuff. As I got older. And maybe when I was little, my dad was like the only troop leader dad. <laughs> when I was a Girl Scout. Yeah. But my mom, I mean, my mom would try to, to, from what I remember, she would try to volunteer, but she was always working. No. And if there was like a, a extra, like something extra that she would pick up, then she would do it because that was extra money. Right. Um, but I volunteer with the boys because it's like something that I had always wanted to do while I was working, but I was never able to. And when I was able to volunteer at their school, I just soaked it all in. I enjoyed it. I was like finally one of those those moms that got to to be at the kids' school. And I was there so much. I volunteered so much that I got, I was offered a position on the PTSA board. Well, to be a PTSA. And then I was offered a position on the board. And I took it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I took it. And then I got offered a job at the school because I was there so much. And I worked as a campus monitor, but I didn't feel like I was a campus monitor. I, I was like, <clears throat> I was like a, a mom to all these kids. And the kindergartners were like my favorite to work with. And, and I remember my favorite position too was to work the front gate. Because I got to talk to all the parents and greet all the kids as they would walk into school. Because there was only one way in and one way out in the mornings. And 
all the kids came in through one gate in the mornings and I would stand there at the gate and I would greet every single kid by their name. And at first I'm like, man, that little snot-nosed brat didn't even say good morning. <laughs> little shithead. But on the last week of school, I went to my box and there was all these handwritten, it was like these stacks and stacks of handwritten cards. And I was reading them and all of them said, you saying good morning to me made my day. You're getting kind of emotional about that. You made a difference in these kids' lives. I don't know about their lives. Maybe for a day. Whether they were having a hard day or not, you were... Just like my special needs. They set the tone for their day. I memorized 645 names. Some of them were brats. Oh, some of them were pain in the asses. I wanted them to go throw them in traffic. <laughs> but for the most part, they were good kids. For the most part, they were good kids. Yes. It's a good school to work at. Because they're angels. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're living our lives. On the funny farm, yeah. What does your life look like right now? Um, right now with the pandemic. <laughs> right? Tell me what it looks like. The uh, truth. It's home all day long. But it's not like I'm on my butt watching TV. Because the boys have to get up. I have Someone has to wake them up, especially Sebastian. He's like, he's like, like uh, Bill Murray in the movie Bob, <laughs> where the alarm clock's not wake. Like you can jump and jump on his bed, and he will not wake up until his alarm clock wakes up. And then he and then he's up like he's nothing. Up. And then they make sure that that they eat their breakfast, that they get dressed, they get ready for school. And then they're on the computer. And then they're on the computer in their rooms. And then while you do what? While I do laundry, clean up the house a little bit, and then I check my emails for school, work on some assignments. But before you do all that, and before I do that, I get up, take a shower, drink my coffee, listen to the chickens. Oh my god, listen to those bitches, <laughs> and then take them out, feed them. Um, take the dogs out to go do their business, feed them, and then and then the day gets going. The day doesn't end until everybody's asleep. Until we have dinner, then we kind of unwind a little bit. Yeah. But that's and then I try to run errands, you know, in the meantime. In the meantime, but and then maybe Fridays I'll be like, well, I'm just going to go look around Lowe's in the clearance section of the plants or just get away just for a little bit, whether it's just to walk at Lowe's or Michael's or something just so that I'm not doing the same thing in the house. 
over and over. And I think the boys get irritated when I start cleaning because I start purging. I start purging stuff because I don't want to be attached to so many. Like, I don't want things attached to me because then I feel like I'm getting anxious, right? Mm -hmm. So I start, like, I start doing that Mari Kondo method. Like, oh, my God, this sparked joy. If it doesn't, I'm going to throw it away. And I think the guys at the at the donation center know me by name. <laughs> so the boys, I've heard, I've heard the boys whisper to each other, like, oh, my God, I can't find this. I think mom donated it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're right, little shit. I did donate it because you don't use it. So, <clears throat> but I don't know. Do you think your boys live a happy life? They, I think they do. To a certain extent, because the pandemic. Right. And I'm grateful that they're not those type of kids that are like, oh my God, I need this. I need you to go buy me this. Why don't you buy me this? And I think they understand that, hey, you know, mom and dad are, you know, they have a budget. And if I want something, I have to earn it. I have to work for it. And Louie does a pretty good job of, you know, working (laughs) We works by cutting the grass yeah. at the neighbors. Um, but he depends on, oh, well, I'm getting money for my birthday or I'm getting money for Christmas. And then he just adds to that and then he's able to buy what he wants. And we can help him out when we can. But I'm just grateful that our kids aren't like, why, you, why don't you buy me this? You guys are, at, you know, child abuse for not buying me this. But we've always taught them that, hey, you gotta work hard. You gotta for work. It. You gotta work for it so you appreciate it better, so you understand what it took to get it. Yeah. Because if it's just handed to you, you're not gonna appreciate it. Do you think you appreciate your life because it wasn't handed to you? No. Yes. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. We've struggled a lot. A lot. And I'm, I'm not going to say that I was like handed everything in life, right? I, I never thought that I would have to struggle as much as we do. And, I, and then I think, who's punishing me? Hmm. Not because I'm married to you, but I think, why do all, why do all these things happen to us? What have, we, what have we done? I think we're pretty good people. No. Why does all this stuff happen? If it's not, if it wasn't a government shutdown, right, that we had to live through, then it was one of our kids being in the hospital for something that we didn't know what was going on and had to be uh, transported and stayed there. And then another government shutdown and and stuff. Worrying about... People attacking us on the street when we go drive through whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I, and, I, and I try to tell myself, you know, God only gives people what they can handle. And I'm like, oh, I can't handle <laughs> anymore right now. We need to stop. I'm not a badass. <laughs> I can't handle anything anymore. So, I mean, I, 
and I try and I try to be positive and I try to think well something 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 better is going to be coming along the way but I'm still waiting you know we've had a lot of positivity in our lives but we've also had to deal with the negativity Sometimes it was self-induced by me or you. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thank you for doing this podcast. Okay. You're welcome. Uh, you were telling me that uh, you have nothing interesting to say. I don't. And we're at two hours. I don't have anything interesting. I think you're wrong. Love you. Love you. All right. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Well, that's it for now. I want to be clear on something. No one person grows up the same. Everyone has their own opinion and how they came up with it. That's why I started this, so that I can understand you and your guide to your path. If we all have different strengths, then maybe we can all learn from each other.